platform for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers. This is BizTalk. Hello and welcome to this episode of BizTalk. I'm Michelle Vandenberg in Beijing. On Tuesday, China released its economic data for the first quarter of 2023. The data reveals that the country's GDP grew by 4.5% year-on-year, surpassing previous expectations of a 4.0% expansion and marking a strong start to the year. This data suggests that China's economy is not only recovering from the pandemic, but also gaining momentum. Joining us today to discuss the significance of these numbers are Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novum RK Technology, and Hong Hao, Chief Economist of Grow Investment Group. Thank you guys for being here with us today. Um, Hong Hao, let's start with you. So China's okay. GDP in the first quarter came in a lot better than a lot of people expected. Um, what factors do you think contributed to this better than expected uh, numbers? Yeah, consumption is substantially better, right? Consumption uh, uh, really outpaced the uh, market expectation uh, for uh, March. I think consumption coming in about you know ten ten plus percent year on year, right? So the uh, the consensus was looking for seven and a half, and I think for the first uh, for the first uh, two months it was like four and a bit, right? So it's it's accelerating, you know. Even though there there may be some one-off factors here, you know, for example seasonality, and also you know because. Uh, if you look at the overseas experience, uh, consumption, especially discretionary consumption, tend to be the first to recover and bounce back really hard uh, in, in many of the overseas countries who were emerging out of the pandemic. Uh, so, you know, there's some one-off factors here, but then at the same time, uh, the May uh, Golden Day holidays here uh, very, very soon. Uh, so we're seeing very strong booking uh, in terms of hotel sales and also in terms of flights as well. So one shouldn't be too surprised. The consumption growth remained very strong uh, going into the second quarter. But Jiahe, what's your take on this? Um, was the number also surprising for you? What do you think were the main reasons behind this strong GDP number for the first quarter? Well, I think, I think the number has actually surprised the market because the market actually gave a very uh, kind of pessimistic view about the Chinese economic outlook. And then this uh, first quarter GDP came out, especially the data in match looked like really promising, including like trade consumption, like Hong Hao just said, uh, also the investment as well. And I mean, everywhere looks quite promising. That's why we have saw the stock markets like Asia and Hong Kong uh, have actually been rebounded quite a lot in, in recent quarters. Uh, well, you know, that's out of the expectation of the market, but I would say that the expectation was just too low in the first place. And Hong Hao, now that the numbers are looking very promising, what do you think will happen in terms of uh, policy reaction? We saw today that the LPR for one year and five year LPR are, were kept um, unchanged. Do you think there will be need for more policy stimulus, such as uh, perhaps an LPR cut later on this year? Yeah, well, I think the uh, PBOC would be on hold for a little while now. Uh, because uh, you know, since um, last October, if you look at the financial uh, condition index, financial conditions is, is actually quite loose. Uh, and also, if you look at the January and February data, and you can see that um, uh, lending uh, to business sector uh, is actually one of the strongest in history. So that is a very nice surprise, pleasant surprise. And that correlates well with uh, the consumption factor that we discussed just now. So I would say that, you know, because uh, policies work with the leg. So I would say uh, for now, uh, policymakers would be like on hold for uh, for some time, uh, you know, just to uh, see how good uh, the policy effect has been on the Chinese economy. 
And Jaho, we did see a triple R cut uh, recently. Do you expect uh, there's any chance, more chance of policy easing, monetary policy uh, loosening? Well, I, I would personally to say that it looks to me that the monetary losing is uh, temporarily at an end for the moment. Because why there has been a lot of monetary stimulation is because in the first two months of this year, the January and February, the economic growth was not very good. So it was the role of the central bank, the PBOC, to stimulate the economy as much as possible to use its, uh, you know, tools, cutting the reserve requirement ratio, cutting interest rates, kind of, well, injecting a lot of liquidity into the market, these kind of things. Uh, but it's it's not it's not an always. I mean, it's it's not going on um, forever that the PBOC keeps on doing this even after the economy is going back to normal. So if you look at the economic data in March, I would say well, when the export is increasing, some of the export sectors to certain markets are increasing at like double digits, fifteen percent. Uh, why keep on injecting liquidity into the market? That's that's probably enough, I would say, especially. If we have even better data in April and May, uh, April and May, then it is very possible that well, the injecting of liquidity into the market by the PBOC, the cutting of reserve requirement ratio, these kind of things would come to a temporary end for the moment. And now, while we're still talking about overall growth for this year, how is China positioned in achieving uh, its around five percent growth target for the whole year? Um, shall we expect an upward revision from that number? We know Jiahe is very optimistic, so let's start with uh, Hong Ha on on the outlook. Sure, I would say that uh, going into the second quarter, more likely than not, we're going to accelerate. So, you know, if consumption continues to be strong, even though uh, there is a, a revenge sort of a revenge factor. Uh, in you know in the consumption figure, uh, and then you know um, uh, property sectors start to sort of doing better than uh, what it has been doing in the past couple of months. Then I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Chinese GDP growth uh, going into the seven percent or more uh, in the second quarter. Wow, second seven percent. Jacko, what's your expectation right. uh, for okay. overall GDP growth? The year. I would personally say that this year it's it's not hard for China's economy to reach its original target around five to five point five percent. Even six percent is actually quite possible for me to to look for the whole year. If you look at the inflation data released by Canada in recent months, it has been dropping. Uh, well, the inflation data in U.S. looks like uh, being under control. Uh, also, the war in Europe looks like easing for the moment. Well, who knows what's coming out after six months? But it looks like the trend is pretty good for the moment. So, if the economy turns back in Europe, Europe and America as well, then that will be even better news for the Chinese economy because we are also doing a lot of trade with them. And speaking of the property sector, do you really expect that in, later on in the in the third fourth quarter of this year, property uh, sector? Are you expecting a strong rebound in China's property sector? Well, I think what we're seeing right now is uh, in the first two months of the year, we're seeing uh, in the tier one cities, secondhand properties has been uh, selling through the roof. Uh, the growth has been very strong. Uh, just now you mentioned that uh, interest rate has been cut uh, and also especially mortgage rate has been cut, uh, down payment requirement has been cut uh, and also purchasing limits in many of the cities have been has been loosened. Uh, so I would say that you know, so many factors there is uh, working for the property sector, uh, so I would say that it is a, a genuine rebound uh, in activities. 
But do you think the low the, the low birth rate uh, will affect the future, the situation in the, in, in the future? Because we, we know, you know, as you said, Chinese people love buying property. But will that change for Gen Z and for, you know, the next generation? And when they get older, and there are a lot less of them, so what will happen then? I think low birth rate is a, a global phenomenon, right? So it's not just a challenge that China is facing. Uh, if you look at the South uh, East Asian countries, you know, for example, Korea, uh, the birth rate is lower than one. I think Japan is like very close to one. And I think last year was a very unusual year in Chinese history in the sense that, you know, we have a pandemic that is affecting many of the people. So people not in the, in the mood to have kids, really. Right? And also, if you look at the, the marriage rate last year, marriage registration rate last year was plunged. Right? So it is a very unusual year. And as a result, you know, the birth rate last year, uh, you know, was very low. And therefore, uh, the, uh, the Chinese population for the first time in history, well, in modern history, actually declined last year. Uh, it's very unusual. So one should expect that, you know, this time, uh, this year, birth rate should somehow bounce back a little bit, you know, because, you know, last year was unusual. Uh, and also, I think going forward, uh, low birth rate is a global phenomenon. It is a, a product of economic development, uh, human rights, and also equality between yeah. men and women. Uh, so it, it is a challenge that all, we are all facing. Three hundred sixty degree profiles of industry movers and shakers, tech mavericks and policymakers. We drill down on their success. We ask how they set strategy and how they navigate in an increasingly competitive market. Real talk, real business. Join the conversation. Biz Talk, only on CGTN. Um, the National Bureau of Statistics reports that China's value-added industrial output expanded by 3% year-on-year in the first quarter of 2023. Production of new energy vehicles increased by nearly 23%, while solar panel production rose by over 53% compared to the same period last year. Now, these figures demonstrate that China's industrial sector is gaining momentum. So, on this note, um, what do you guys think, uh, to what extent does this 3% year-on-year expansion in China China's value-added industrial output signify a recovery um, in the industrial sector. Honghao, let's start with you again. The uh, uh, production, in, industrial production, is trying to emerge, you know, from a huge slump in the last quarter of 2022. Uh, but if you look at the uh, export figures, and also if you look at the PMI, especially look, if you look at the leading components of the PMI index, uh, new order is up, uh, exports order is up. There are anecdotal evidence. Uh, telling me that uh, the uh, Canton, uh, Canton uh, uh, trade affair is, is going, uh, uh, receiving a, a very strong crowd as well. So I would say that, you know, if you look at the exports uh, growth uh, in the uh, month of March, I think it's growing at about 13 to 14%, right? So we, we basically surprised every single uh, economist in the market. Uh, so it, that is telling us that, you know, the uh, the trading partners are bounced back. Uh, so I would say that, you know, maybe uh, in, in the month of March, uh, the uh, industrial pro uh, production uh, had a little, you know, had a little hiccup. Uh, but I wouldn't think that, you know, one data point makes the trend. Uh, so one 
just have to wait and see, you know, what will uh, the industrial sector do in the coming months. But the leading indicators are looking up. And Jiahe, was it also lower than your expectations? Uh, so, so China invested really a lot in the past two years. So when you look at the year-over-year comparison of this year's, you know, industry output, fixed asset investment, these kind of things, it's not supposed to be very good because it got a very high foundation in the first place. And that's also because the government tried to pull it back when the consumption is picking up and when the export is now turning out to be slightly better than expected. Um, so it looks like um, the investment will not be as, as much as we have been doing in the past two years. So it's quite right that we see that in the first uh, quarter, the well, the value adding growth would be uh, well slower than some of the expectation. I would say it's because the consumption and export are really picking upward. Uh, but one day, when we have probably say. Uh, a bad export someday in the future, then you will see the investment start to pick up again. Yeah, and Hong Hong, do you think the relatively modest number is reflecting, a, a, you know, slower demand or economic activities? Well, it is a consumption paradox, right? So mm-hmm. if too many people go for consumption, then nobody's left to produce, mm-hmm. right? So you know, so this is, this is always a balance, right? So Jiahe is right, you know, you know, once the consumption. Uh, growth starts to slow down, so people maybe go back to work and start to produce. We don't know. Mm-hmm. So I think as a result, I think as a result, you know, uh, okay. as as time goes by, going into the second half of the year, we, yeah. we will look uh, we will look at better numbers. But we did see an increase in new energy vehicle production and also solar panel production, pretty pretty big numbers. Um, were they due to specific specific policy supports or were they market forces? Yeah, well, I think uh, the Chinese uh, electric cars. Are, you know, taking over the world, right? So, the export numbers has been very strong. Even the the domestic uh, sales numbers have been very strong as well. And price continue to crash down, you know, because mm-hmm. the many of the production facilities now come online, and now we're we're facing you know a very uh, a large production for, uh, uh, capacity, not just for the domestic demand, but also for foreign demands for exports as well. So, if you if you look at you know, uh, for example, BRD. Uh, in in Europe, uh, so I, I heard that one of the hottest model, you know, you have to wait in the queue for like up to three months, you know, to get your hands on a car, right? So which is very very popular, because the 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 battery was so good, it's fast charging, and one charge can go for like eight hundred to up to a thousand kilometers on one charge, uh, so it's just stunning. Uh, so you know, I would say that you know the uh, Chinese uh, electric car uh, industry is taking over the world, you know, because we have the technology know how. And also, you know, a whole bunch of uh, uh, production capacities that has already come online and that is ready to produce. Yeah, Jiahe, do you want to add to anything to that? If you look at past three years, the electric vehicle has actually been stimulated strongly because, uh, well, government has actually given a large uh, subsidy to to this industry. But this year, it comes to be a few things. First is that the economy is turning back. You know, consumption is turning back, export is turning back. I mean, life is coming back to normal. So. Uh, the government really can't keep on investing forever. I mean, otherwise, we'll be a government-controlled economy. Um, another thing is that now the new energy vehicle is already large enough. It's taking like I think it's forty percent of the new cars selling, and it's taking about ten. I think it's about ten percent of the car reserving right now. So it's a lot of EVs on the on the street. So in the future, I think the government is is now trying to say, okay, you're large enough, you are capable enough to to you know to work on your own. So it is now for the EV industry to prove by itself, uh, to prove by the market that it is actually efficient enough to be a 
were a cornerstone for the economy rather than something that keeps on living on the government subsidy. I mean, looking at the first three months, it looks like EV is actually still growing pretty good. So that's probably the market saying that uh, we prefer the EV compared with the traditional cars. And the efficiency is actually quite good for us, at, at least in cities. Yeah, interesting uh, view. And also the, the, the pr good prices also help a lot. Now let's talk more about consumption. As our guests have talked about, China's Q1 growth was fueled by a rebound in domestic consumption and supportive government policies. Total retail sales of consumer goods reached 11.5 trillion yuan, up 5.8% year on year, in indicating that Chinese customers are spending again and contributing to the country's economic recovery. Additionally, online retail sales reached almost 3.3 trillion yuan, up 8.6%, highlighting the ongoing shift to online shopping. Now, Jiahe, I know you live in China. I'm not sure if you've traveled recently in China, but, uh, in China, but you know, there are just people everywhere, right? If you go out, there are people going, traveling, going to restaurants after all these three years of uh, COVID, strict COVID policies. But again, do, do you, will that revenge traveling and spending wear off in the later part of the year? So if, if, you, if you look at um, the traveling right now, it's, it's gradually recovering every, every single week. And in the coming holiday, that's the uh, 1st of May, there will be five days holiday for people. Uh, I talked to a friend of mine and she said she canceled her plan because uh, it was too crowded. You can't, you can't book the ticket. You have to cost like four times, five times more money than before. Um, the, the hotel rents up like five times straight away. And that's because many people are choosing to travel out. Also, the availability of flights, right? Um, there's mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, quite a lot I mean look at the. Yeah, I mean, look at the flight company and say that, that many of their flights goes to be old in three years. You know, some of their flights uh, were passing the uh, serving age. I mean, you really use like a well, an airplane for like 10 to 15 years. So three years is enough for you to pass out like 15 percent of your um, of your of your flights. So that means China have to keep on buying and building more new flights. We have saw that China signed a very large order with Europe uh, a few a few weeks ago, and that's because we, we lacked the buying of these flights for two or three years. So that takes time for everything to come back to normal. I mean, especially for the tourism industry. Definitely, Hong Hao, you live in Hong Kong, right? Um, are you seeing a lot more mainland tourists lately? Is it back to the pre pre pandemic levels? Probably not quite back to the pandemic uh, level just yet. Uh, you know, if, if you look at the uh, the busy streets uh, in Kowloon, uh, you know, the shopping paradise for mainland tourists, and also uh, along the central Wan Chai uh, Causeway Bay area, you're still not getting the usual traffic jam, you know, as back then. Right? So things are, are coming back, but slowly. Jia He, what's your take on this? Um, and do you think the strong consumption numbers in the first quarter was it due to purely due to demand, or has a lot to do with government supportive policies? And if the latter one, do you think uh, what kind of policies do you think need to be in place later in the year to maintain this momentum? Dunhuang. Situated along the ancient Silk Road, where fine arts and divine beliefs merged with the natural world. It's where the East and West interacted and where the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still fascinates and amazes people today. A place
place where stories of life and death, love and hatred, passion and desire, faith and sacrifice have been generated and told for 2,000 years. Buckle up for our new podcast, Why We Love Dunhuang, the one and only podcast that can take you to the fantasy world of Dunhuang and beyond through our audio tour. Listen and subscribe for free on major podcast platforms. Why we love Dunhuang? You will have your answers. And last but not least, let's talk about China's foreign trade. So China's foreign trade volume reached nearly 10 trillion yuan in Q1, up 4.8% year on year, demonstrating the resilience of the Chinese economy against growing external uncertainties despite um, global volatility. Now, this increase includes an 8.4% rise in exports and a 0.2% growth in imports. So. Now, let's talk about these numbers. Um, how has China managed to maintain this resilient foreign trade volume, uh, you know, despite the, all these external uncertainties? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, if you look at the uh, geographical breakdown uh, of, the, of the trade figure, right? So uh, exports to U.S. and also to the European countries, uh, they're, they're, they're declining slightly, but then the exports to the ASEAN uh, countries and also the APEC countries are rising substantially. Yeah. Right, so that is this is because you know, the global supply chain has changed. Right, so if you look at you know the trend in the past couple of years, uh, Chinese exports to to the ASEAN countries and also to the APEC country has been rising steadily, and, and until now it is actually uh, as a percentage of total Chinese exports is actually higher than uh, the exports to the U.S. And also the the export goods uh, the composition has changed as well. So now that we're exporting more value-added goods, uh, more sophisticated goods uh, to the the other countries. Right? So this is very, very different from 10 years ago, you know, when China is exporting umbrellas, lighters, you know, closings, that kind of stuff, very low value-added stuff. Right? So that's very nice for a change. And I think, you know, sitting uh, in this part of the world, I think every single economy, you know, we all hope that this uh, this will continue because for for this year, for 2023, most of us has discounted exports as one of the drivers for the, uh, this year's growth. But yeah. now that you know we're we're actually getting help from exports, and and hopefully uh, property comes back, consumption stays strong, then you know we will have a really good year in 2023. Yeah, let's all hope that. Um, Jiahe, what do you think are behind the 8.4 percent increase in exports, and uh, you know which industries or sectors do you think are driving this growth? China's trade with Asian countries is really helping this export. I mean, we have not been given a lot of expectation for China's trade this year because we have seen inflation still going on in U.S. and in, in Canada, and you still have the war in, in, in Europe. But uh, China's uh, trade with Asian countries is now the largest um, of China's trading partners. I think it's about 50% more than the second largest one, that is the Eurozone, well, 30% larger. So uh, an, an, another re- reason for China's exports to, to grow so quick is because ASEAN countries are relatively uh, well, de- uh, less developed compared with North America or Europe. So that means they have high economic growth rate and China's trade with them increase every single year when their economy is growing and when the Chinese economy is growing as well. Another reason supporting China's uh, international trade is because we have more technology adding 
um, in our trading right now. I mean, if you look at our exports these, these years, yeah, that start to contain more things like new energy products, new energy vehicles, automobiles, uh, computers, mobile phones, all these kind of things, rather than just the simple products like before, clothes, shoes, you know, furniture, those kind of things. Uh, also, the Chinese uh, brands that started to be recognized in the international market, rather than just the selling raw products, we now have more brands coming upward, especially when you look at China's mobile phone companies and automobile companies. Um, they start to their brands are starting to be recognized, at least in developing economies. So that means China will have more income farming from exporting this area. So that, that's why we keep on saying that technology is really important for China's growth in the next two to three decades. I mean, we can't keep on doing what we have been doing in the past four decades. We have to do something new, something more value-adding and something with, uh, with actually more technology. And looking at the import numbers, which is significantly lower, right, 0.2% growth in imports, was that, you know, due to any specific trade barriers or any domestic uh, issues? That, that's probably one thing. I mean, if the, as you mentioned, the trade barrier is not happening, then China definitely import much more things. That, that's the right thing, you know. Um, the, 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 the trade barrier that has been set to China, especially for like chips, uh, the, the equipment used to produce chips, these kind of things, is really uh, stopping China's import. But on the other hand, it also um, stimulate China's uh, stimulated China's investment and domestic consumption because we start to build these things in our own market. Yeah, Hong Oh, yeah. Please yeah. add to that. Yeah, well, yeah. We'd love to see more uh, imports. Yeah, you know, because uh, we, you know, as part of the value chain, you know, especially the semiconductor and electronics value chain, is a very long, sophisticated value chain. For example, iPhone takes about you know four fourteen hundred parts right to to manufacture one iPhone. Right. So I think you know, importing uh, from foreign uh, from foreign countries really feeding into uh, you know this sophisticated value chain. So I think you know imports is a very important component. I would love to see it, you know, to be higher than zero point two percent. Yeah, there's just so much to talk about, but unfortunately, we are running out of time. But like our guests have just talked about, let's hope that uh, you know China's exports remain strong and uh, property sector bounces back and uh, also consumption momentum uh, stays strong. Uh, thank you so much for our guests, Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novum RK Technology, and uh, Hong Hao, Chief Economist of Grow Investment Group. Thank you so much for talking with us today. And uh, this is it for this edition of Biz Talk. I'm Michelle Vandenberg in Beijing. See you next time. Podcast of CGT Radio. Go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world.